Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, thank you very much. As you can imagine, we are very proud parents of Richard, Sarah, Catherine, our three kids. We love talking about them. We love spending time with them. We just love our kids. And you know what? The love and the joy that they bring us, you bring God that, that joy this morning. Um, and I asked for this song because it so speaks of the gospel. Um, I believe in the blood of Jesus that washes white as snow. I believe in the power of the gospel still makes the broken whole. I believe it. I've seen it. I've seen people with all kinds of diseases and sickness, Jesus healed them. Mental problems, drug addictions, all kinds of stuff. I've seen Jesus do it. You know, I've seen enough miracles to believe, but I've not seen enough miracles to be satisfied. Because I know there's more. I believe that the curse of sin was broken when they rolled away the stone. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sickness has no dominion over you. You are not under the curse. You're not under the law. You're living in grace. You're living in the goodness of God. Jesus dealt with the law. He satisfied the law. He broke the curse. He rose again. And he's here to meet with you and to bless you and to heal you and to share his goodness with you. The cross did the job. Lock, stock, and barrel. As I bow before the Lord... I will rise in confidence. The devil trembles when God's people get on their knees. I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. No matter where I go, no matter where I've been, I will see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in. For 45 years, I've been so inspired to hear what God has been doing in South Korea through Dr. Paul Yonggi Cho. He's gone to his reward now. I've been inspired and being in a room with Reinhard Bonke preaching and, and you hear the stories of what God has done and is doing in Africa and his cry, Africa will be saved. From Cape Town to Cairo. Wonderful. And we greet our brothers and sisters in Kenya today as well. And we love what God is still doing in Africa. For 45 years, I've read about what God has done in this nation, in the Wesleyan and Welsh and Hebridean and other revivals. And I love what God has done in the past and what He's done in other places. But I say, Lord, will you do it here and now? Lord, will you visit our nation? Before I die, Lord, can I see it in this great nation? A move of God. And for me, my passion has been to equip God's people to share Jesus with people. Evangelism is not a dirty word. It's wonderful. 
It just basically means sharing the good news about Jesus. The problem has been partly that evangelists tend to tell people what they must do and how they must do it. And you will not do it the way I do it because you're not me. You won't do it my way. But my prayer is that over the months and years to come, I will be able to come alongside you and help you to do it your way. To be effective where you are, with your personality. You haven't got my personality, thank God. (laughs) But there are extroverts, and there are introverts. I tend to be an extrovert with introvert tendencies. And you've got other introverts with extrovert tendencies, and you've got some that are just out-and-out extroverts. And it's, it's all a matter of degrees, and, and my desire is to take the fear factor out of evangelism, detoxify the word. Evangelism is like another E-word, exercise. We know we should do it, and believe that we will one day. (laughs) But are quite happy to watch others doing it in the meantime. I was going to... Adam is there, Adam's there. I was going to play the clip at the end, Adam, the the Mission Possible. See, I I believe it's Mission Possible. In fact, it's Mission Definite. Because I've read the end of the book. (laughs) But it's mission possible for you because you can be a part of it or not as a matter of choice. Right? So there's a little clip that's going to be played now that just gives an insight into mission possible. Is that okay? Look at Tom Cruise. (laughs) So why do I believe it's mission possible? I'm glad you asked. The first reason is because of our partners in the gospel. The first partner that we have in the gospel is the Father. Jesus said, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Did you know that all around Around you, there are people right now that the Father is giving to Jesus. All we've got to do is find them. And if we just make known who we are, what we believe, and who we know, those that the Father is giving to Jesus right now will be ready to respond and come to Him. The Father points to Jesus. Remember at the baptism, this is my Son whom I love. Basically, he's saying, just look at him. How amazing is he? Look at him. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and and, uh, Moses and Elijah, they are there. And and the Father says, this is my son. Listen to him. The Father delights in Jesus, and the Father is drawing people to Jesus. Our other partner in the gospel is the Son himself. John 12, 32, Jesus said, When I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. 
Jesus is drawing people to himself. It is not my job to draw people to Jesus. My lifestyle can help in that, but the Father's giving people to the Son. The Son is calling people to himself. Jesus never pointed most religious leaders, when in fact all other religious leaders point to somebody outside of themselves. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If you want to come to the Father, there's only one way. It's through me. Jesus said, you're hungry? I'm the bread of life. If you eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. You'll find meaning in me. Are you walking around stumbling, wondering what life is all about? I'm the light of the world. If you, if, you, if you receive me into your life, I will light a path for you. You understand the meaning of life. You'll know why you're here. You know what God wants you to do and you know where you're going. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. If you want to come in, you're welcome. So he points to himself right the way through. And then the Spirit is another partner that we have. Nobody else has got this, by the way. The Tory party, you know the Labour party, they've not got this when they're out sharing their, their gospel. This is who we've got working with us. The Spirit, he says, Jesus said, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. I remember at the age of 23. And doing very well, thank you very much, in business. Plenty plenty of money, money, no money worries, beautiful home, beautiful wife, and then started coming under pressure with the business and so on and started waking up with the panic attacks and all that stuff but prior to that I had said to Jill Jill I think we need to have a bible in the house so she went to town and she bought a fairly modern bible it wasn't a King James and I began to read it and it was just like it didn't make any sense to me at all it may as well have still been in the original Greek I put it on the shelf then over a period of time, and as my, my mental health, in a way, was deteriorating, Jill said to me, Ian, I think we need God in our lives. And I said, love, I don't think things are that bad, are they? <laughs> God's gracious, isn't he? If somebody said that about me, I'd say, yeah, okay, on your way then. But the Spirit still drew, still drew, still drew. And one night... November 1975, we went reluctantly with Dave and Carter Roberts into a little Pentecostal church, and we sat at the back near the door. Quick exit, quick escape. They hugging each other. Ooh. <laughs> they stand up and they pray, and that's weird. So it's, it's, a, it's lovely welcome. They were so warm and welcoming. And then they'd be hugging us and wanting to hug us at the end. You're coming back next week. And we're saying, yeah, of course we are. Thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and I never forget, I'm there, sitting at the back, and above, written on the, on the wall, behind the preacher. Very humbling for preachers. You don't normally remember what they say. I don't remember what the preacher said, but what I do remember was, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I saw that and I thought, oh my word. 23 years of age, I've heard about Jesus since I was knee-eyed to a grasshopper. Jesus Christ is God. And he died for me. Anyway, I thought, yeah, that's fine, but 
move on. Jill is there and the preacher speaks about the spirit of God will not always strive with man. So we came home and yeah, we'd been and we'd been affected by it. The pastor came up the following night. Irishman, northern Irishman. Very unusual Irishman, very quiet. <laughs> so we did all the talking. Just told, told him our life story, basically. And then he said, would you like to receive Jesus? And we looked at each other, yeah, we would. Sitting on our sofa, yeah, we would. So I got to be honest with you, right? I was not deep in the conviction of sin. Not at that point. God started showing me stuff as I went along. But I wasn't in the great conviction of sin. I just knew I didn't want to live without Jesus in my life anymore. And it was a simple decision, love, wasn't it? We sat there in our living room and we thought, yeah, let's have Jesus in our lives. And then, what, nine months later, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Didn't know Christianity could be like this. Oh, my word. So we didn't go to the Pentecostal church too wild for us. We'll go to a nice, quiet Baptist church, which was lovely, lovely teaching, baptized us in water there. You know, we did things right. <laughs> baptized in water there. And then we went along to this meeting, and then they laid hands on us. So Jill begins to speak in tongues. I'm sitting next to her. I thought, if she's got it, I'm having it. <laughs> so Jill speaking in tongues comes to be, I begin to speak in tongues. And then I began to realize Christianity is nothing like I thought it was. Christianity is supernatural. Everything about it is supernatural. It's not going along to a meeting and singing. And then we got saved in November. And then I'm standing there at the Christmas service. And, we, and I'm singing crystal Christmas carols I've been singing since I was five. Never understood a word of them. And I'm looking at these Christmas carols and I'm weeping as I realize that he was born for me, that he died for me, that he rose for me. And it's like, oh my word. And then I picked up the Bible and and it's alive to me. This is a miracle, guys. If you read the Bible today and understand it, that's a five-star miracle. (laughs) That means the Holy Spirit is in you, revealing the Scriptures to you. Jesus... When he met the disciples in the upper room, he had spoken to them for three and a half years. And it was like, it was just going straight over their heads. Not a clue. Teach them about the yeast of the, the, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, which meant beware of their religious, horrible way they behave, getting into you. They started arguing about who forgot the bread because he mentioned yeast. They were clueless. For three and a half years, they with him. And then he's in the upper room with them after the resurrection. And there they are in terror now. You imagine, right? They've just crucified your leader. The disciples saw what he went through. He's been beaten, spat upon, crucified. They think he's dead and buried. They're in the upper room wondering what they're going to do next. And the next thing, Jesus turns up on resurrection Sunday. And there they are in the upper room. And they're clueless. And the first thing he does, he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
the Spirit who testifies to Jesus, He breathed into them. To me, this takes us right back to the garden. The garden where God made Adam out of the clay and He breathed the breath of life. In fact, it's literally lives. The word is chaim. I am on the end, it's plural. Breathe the breath of life, physical and spiritual life into Adam. When Adam died, he died spiritually. And then as a consequence of that, he died physically. But it was Ruach Chaim. He breathed the breath of lives into Adam. And Adam became a living spirit, a living being. And then of course he fell, he died spiritually. And then the last Adam came, born of the spirit, filled with the Spirit, a new kind of humanity that was going to transform the world and restore God's plan to the world. And there he is, he's raised from the dead, the last Adam, and he's about to breathe the breath of God into these disciples of his, male and female. 120 of them. Or rather the disciples, 120 later on the day of Pentecost. And then his disciples are there and he breathes on them. And the parallel scripture, Luke 24, is you open their minds to understand the scriptures. So suddenly, they're understanding the scriptures. So he spends 40 days with them, explaining what he'd been saying for those three and a half years. And they're like, hello. We get it now. So he spends 40 days with them. And then he says to them, don't you leave Jerusalem until you've received the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Hang on, Jesus. That was resurrection day. That was when you breathed, and that's resurrection day. He says, yeah, that was for you. He says, now you're going to receive a filling of the Spirit that's going to transform the world. So 10 days later after he goes, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and he transforms them. And the self-preservation society becomes the world transformation society. They're no longer thinking about how, we keep, how can we keep ourselves safe. And Peter, who had denied the Lord three times, is out there preaching the Christ that you crucified. God has raised him from the dead. And he's now seated on the right hand of God. And there's salvation for all who put their trust in him. The Holy Spirit. Guys doing mission, doing anything, doing the Christian life without the Holy Spirit is like pushing a car without petrol. It's, it's, we lack the power then. It's being filled with the Spirit is what motivates us. Be being filled with the Spirit. And you saw the panic when there was a fuel shortage a few weeks ago. Oh my word. The thought of people having cars without fuel. What's the point of a car without fuel? In fact, it's, it's not an asset, it's a liability. What's the point of being a Christian? And I'm not talking about first and second class Christians here. I'm talking about Christians who've received the Spirit and are children of God and are loved by God and are going to heaven. I'm talking as well, though, about Christians who've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and power and life overflowing to those around them. So that it's not just for us, it's for the whole world. And they went out from there and they turned the world upside down. 
miracles testify to Jesus. Jesus said, I have testimony weightier than that of John for the works that the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I'm doing testify that the Father has sent me. The context of this was healing. So Jesus said, the healing, the works I do, they testify about who I am. Peter carried on with that in Acts 4. When they, in Acts 3, actually, they, if you remember, remember the, uh, the lame man at the, the temple gate called Beautiful? Peter says to him, Peter and John going up to prayer. There's a lame man there. Jesus had walked past that man for three and a half years. He'd been there all that time. Jesus allowed that man to stay there because it was a greater sign to follow through, through Peter and John where... 2,000 would get saved that day as a consequence of that man's healing. And sometimes we want God to do stuff when we want it done. But God says, I've got a purpose in the delay right now and it's going to be greater glory to me as a consequence of that. But Peter and John are walking up to the, to the temple of prayer. And uh, it's like, well, they weren't so concerned. Now, well, when we get in there, we will pray for you. It was. Look at us. What we haven't got is silver and gold right now, but what we have got, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Right. He gets up and he walks. Yeah. Not only does he walk, does he walk, he gets up, he's walking, physically healed, he's leaping, emotionally healed, yeah. and he's praising God, spiritually healed. Yeah. I tell you, the touch of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform lives. Yeah. i got so many testimonies, I haven't got time, but... When I want to do some training and equipping and encouraging in smaller groups, I would love to share some stories with you of the miracles that Jesus does and has done. And you've seen them. You see them as well. But I hope you're like me. Lord, I'm so grateful for them, but Lord, I want more. Lord, I want more. So Peter said when they were challenged, they were arrested for doing this. And he says, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucify, there he goes again, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Peter used that opportunity to share Jesus and preach Jesus again. The scripture the scriptures point to Jesus. Genesis to Revelation. The scriptures. These scriptures are amazing. When I share Isaiah 53 with people of other faiths, and I say, look at Jesus here. I've seen, I've seen dozens of Muslims come to Christ in the last 10 years. People say to me, do you know the Quran? Nope, but I know the Bible. I know what God says. I know the power of the Spirit. And I tell you what, if you're sharing with a Muslim or anyone else for that matter, another faith or no faith, if you pray with them and God encounters them, argument goes out of the window because I've seen Muslims, their legs giving way under them as power of God has come upon them and they have felt the love of the Father filling them and they've experienced and encountered the God of love that they've been longing for all their lives. You aren't going to teach a Muslim to fear God. They are brought up to fear God. They're also told that if they go into a church, they're eternally damned and condemned. 
And many of them would come to the front door and then turn around again and walk away because they were terrified to come in. But then others would say, no, no, come, come, come. We want you to meet people who will love you like Jesus loves you. We want you to encounter the God of love. And then they'll come and they encounter the God of love and their lives are transformed. I'm telling you guys, there's power in the gospel. And God authenticates the gospel. He doesn't authenticate my message. This is not my message. This is his message. And we carry his message. Like Joshua said, you know, when he, when he encountered the angel of the Lord, he said, whose side do you want, angel? Wrong question. Joshua, you're on my side. Prostrate yourself. This is his idea. He's anointed you, he's called you, he's graced you. The scriptures, I love the scriptures. I love this tract, I've used this tract for over 20 years. Four reasons why you can smile. I give this out on the streets, and even if people say no thank you, they smile when they say no thank you. Guys, people need some reasons to smile, don't they? I'm watching the news a lot less lately. I gotta be honest, it is so depressing. It is awful. The world is in such a mess. I wanna go out there, I wanna give people four reasons to smile. Smile one, God really does love you. Smile two, Jesus died for you. Smile three, God has a purpose for your life. Smile four, today is your day. And then on the back, then a prayer of, repentance, asking forgiveness, receiving Jesus into people's lives. I love using this. And if you want to come out on the streets with me at any time, you're more than welcome. I'll book a telephone kiosk for our training evening. (laughs) Not everybody's cup of tea, but I love it. Angels are there to affirm so an angel told Philip to go to the road between Gaza and Jerusalem to meet the, the eunuch. An angel told Cornelius to send for Peter, for Peter to come and preach the gospel. Angels involved, but angels don't preach the gospel. It's only the redeemed carry the message of redemption. Mm-hmm. Creation, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And us... Jesus said in John 15, 26 to 27, the spirit of truth goes out from the Father. He will testify about me and you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning. I am sending you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. I've always thought it was the work of the spirit to open up people's eyes to see Jesus. It is, but it's ours as well. That's why Jesus said to the Apostle Paul, I'm sending you to open their eyes. When you share the scriptures with people, he opens their eyes. The first thing that Jesus did, he says, you've been with me from the beginning. The first thing that Jesus did in preparing people for mission was to call them to himself. Okay? If you go out of a sense of guilt... The Bible doesn't say, without guilt, it's impossible to please God. It's without faith, it's impossible to please God. So, 
it's a matter of coming from that place of just being with Jesus. When I was 23, I didn't fall in love with religion. I didn't fall in love with the church. I didn't fall in love with Christians. I just fell in love with Jesus. And I just wanted to share Jesus with people. And boy, did I make some mistakes in my zeal. And if I get a chance to be with you sometime, I'll tell you the mistakes I made and learn from them. Because no matter what anybody was talking about, I would try and turn the conversation to Jesus. And I was a right pain. To be honest, now I'd avoid myself. <laughs> if I was with somebody and all they want to do, no matter what you talk about, they just want to... I've tried manipulating conversations. And you know what? Let the Spirit do that. You just be yourself and then just be natural and normal and then talk about what you did on the weekend and you, you worshipped and you went to church. They know you go to church. Okay, that's a start. And then when God begins to deal with them and move on them, they know where to come. And, and you say, I'll pray for you. And when you do say you'll pray for them, please do pray for them. <laughs> Lady phoned us on Friday night, me and Jill, a few doors away. She said, I don't need anything. She said, but I've got COVID. And I said, can, can we get some shopping? No, no, I got an Asda order coming in. She said, I just wanted you to know. Not a believer. Just wanted you to know. So I said, okay, no problem. We will pray for you. Yeah. And we have. Yeah. Right? People in your neighborhood know where the shepherds are. Right? Know the people who care are. And they know where to come in their time of need. So he pointed them, the twelve, that they might be with him and that he might be with him and then send them out. You know, to be with somebody is to pay the greatest compliment possible. If somebody wants to be with me, that's a huge compliment. Because if they give me their time, they're giving me their life. We've got so many seconds in our life. If I give you my time, I'm giving you my life. So he called them to be with him that he might send them out. So they'd be with him. He'd send them. They'd come back, tell him what they'd done. Then he'd be with them and then he'd send them. Don't keep going, going, going. Make sure that you go in from a place of being with him. Can you imagine what it was like three and a half years living with Jesus? Getting up in the morning and having breakfast and sitting across the breakfast table from Jesus. Jesus passing you the cornflakes. <laughs> and you're eating your cornflakes and you're looking into his eyes sparkling with joy and love for you. And that infectious laughter filling the room that you're in. And then, what are we going to do today, Lord? Out of the door with Jesus. Into the streets with Jesus. What's going to happen today? The leper's going to get cleansed. Are the lame going to walk? Are the blind going to see? Are the Pharisees going to get some home truths today? I love that bit. And then you come home with Jesus. And then you sit around the fire in the evening talking about the events of the day. And he's teaching you stuff from what has happened that day. And then lying in bed next to Jesus. The bed next to you. You can hear God breathing. The God who breathed life into Adam 
is now breathing in the bed next to you. And then Peter, imagine Peter lying there thinking, did I dream or did he walk on water yesterday? More to the point, did I dream or did I walk on water yesterday? And then you get up in the morning and you go again with Jesus. No wonder they, they, there was such devastation when he took them aside and he said, just need to let you know, guys, I'm leaving you. Can you imagine that? I'm leaving you. I'm going to be crucified and I'm leaving you. Peter tries to talk him out of it. We love serving God in an advisory capacity, don't we? <laughs> Far be it from you, Lord. So now it's Peter to get some home truths. Get thee behind me, Satan. You're not considering the things of God, but the things of man. But he said to them basically this. It's better that I go. Because unless I go, the Holy Spirit can't come. And if I go, the Spirit Holy Spirit will come, and he won't just be with you like I am. I am. He'll be in you. Yeah, right. So the Holy Spirit is in us, and he's called in Acts 16, he's called the Spirit of Jesus. Yeah, right. I love having Jesus in me. So when I lie down at night, he's breathing in the bed with me. When I get up in the morning, breakfast with Jesus. I've got to be honest, right? Sometimes I get up in the morning and I don't go, good morning, Lord. I go, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> but Jesus wants us to be aware of his presence all the time. So then when we go out, we're not trying to force anything. It's out of the overflow of being with Jesus. And you walk into an interview. You walk into a situation, a pressured situation. And uh, you've got a job interview, hospital appointment, whatever it might be. You need to know today, right? When you walk in there, an exam, Jesus walks in there with you. That doesn't mean to say you don't prepare, but wherever you go, he goes. I will never leave you or forsake you. Right? I remember being asked to do a funeral of a lady in the church in Merthyr. Catholic family didn't like the fact that Jackie, this lady Jackie, wanted me to do her father's funeral, and she had a lot of opposition. So she said, can he just come and meet you? So when I went and I met them, Jackie said, when you walked in, it was like, when you walked in, Ian, it was like Jesus walked in the room. I didn't go, oh, shucks, Jack. Don't say such things. It's like, I know, Jackie, we're all relying on that. I always say, take the Christ out of Christian. What have you got? Ian, if that's all you got, you're in serious trouble. Put Christ and Ian together. When I walk into somewhere, the odds just changed. I'm telling you. When you walk in somewhere, the odds just change. If there's sickness in the room, the odds just change for the person who's sick. Do I see God heal everybody instantly all the time? No, I wish I did. I don't, but I still pray because I thank God for whatever the percentage is, it's better than zero, which would happen if I didn't pray at all. 
and for my faith then to grow. I turn very quickly and I'm going to be closing reasonably soon. What time are we now? 11.17. Give me another 10, 15 minutes. Turn to Matthew 9, if you would, if you've got your Bibles. In fact, I think it's probably up on the screen behind me anyway. So Jesus actually took them as well with him um, so they could see how we behave towards people. Men are made in God's image. There was a, a psalm that was just up there a moment ago, actually. Can we go back one moment, Adam, to Psalm 8? I'm a bit of a nightmare for people on PA, to be honest. But Psalm 8 basically says this, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you consider him? You crowned him with glory and honor and made him only a little lower than Elohim. Remember that psalm? What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them or consider them? You made them a little lower than Elohim and crowned them with glory and honor. When I got born again, I heard a lot about original sin. As if original sin was the first condition of mankind, it wasn't original glory preceded original sin. He crowned us with glory. Glory is his goodness, his kindness, his love. He crowned us with that and that we might wear it towards one another as well. So I'm not big into original sin. Of course, we are born sinners and we have an inclination towards sin, but our natural condition is glory. And that's why when people come back to Christ, they've come home because they've come back to their original condition in creation, which is to be crowned with glory and honor. You were crowned with that. Bear that in mind now as we look at this little bit of uh, Matthew 9 and 10. Verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion when he saw what humanity had become. Then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then he called his 12 disciples and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every kind of disease and sickness. This is pre-Pentecost, guys. This is operating under the old covenant. This is old covenant power. They weren't speaking in tongues at this time. Tongues is a sign of the new covenant. All the, other, all the other miracles, all the other gifts of the Spirit exist in the Old Testament. Tongues is a sign of the covenant, new covenant. And the gift of tongues is the only gift that's for you personally. All the other gifts are for you to deliver to other people. The gift of tongues is for you to edify yourself. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. If you want to be strong, speak in tongues. If you want to be strong physically, go to the gym. If you want to be strong spiritually, speak in tongues. 
10, 15 minutes a day while you're doing your exercises, speak in tongues. While you're running down the street, walking down the street, speak in tongues. There's something going on in your spirit. You're edifying yourself. You're building yourself up in the Scriptures and in the Spirit. And we'd be looking more at that. The baptism in the Spirit and the power of speaking in tongues in Restore as we go on Thursday on the 28th. We're going to be looking at the purpose of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The power and purpose of speaking in tongues. Little advert there. And these are the names of the 12 apostles. Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot. These aren't numbers, these are names. These are heroes. These are people who said yes to the commission, to the mission. And those 12 he sent out with the following instructions. Do not go to the, among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And then verse 16, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. So basically what Jesus is saying is that I've been with you, you are my sheep. Now pray, and now I'm sending you to go. Sheep, my sheep among the lost sheep. Now what happened in the, the day that Jesus was alive? Shepherds used to increase their flock by taking their sheep out into the pasture, letting them graze alongside strays and lost sheep. And then at the end of the day, when he called his sheep to him, whom he knew by name, the lost and stray sheep came with his sheep until eventually they began to recognize his voice, and then they became his sheep, and he enlarged his flock. So in teaching Iranians and Afghans, they were saying, this still happens today, Ian. We were shepherds, and that's what we would do. That's what we would do. We would just go and take our sheep and enlarge our flock. Coming alongside people, the people you work with, that's your mission field. Thank you, Will. So I'm going to end with a story. My story. I went to Bible college in 1980-83. Went back to South Wales to work alongside Dave and Carla Roberts in a pioneer situation with Brendan Carey. 1983, I became a driving instructor in the business with Dave Roberts. Now, when I was younger, I used to say I, I wanted to travel and meet people. I should have been a bit more specific. <laughs> I did that job for 13 years. And in the car, I did 40,000 miles a year. So in 13 years, I did 520,000 miles. So I traveled the world 20 times, around the world 20 times without leaving Merthyr Tidville. <laughs> I knew every nook and every cranny, and every crook and every granny. <laughs> I knew that town well. 
And one day I complained to the Lord. I said, Lord, I have had three years theological training just in case you've forgotten. <laughs> and I am spending between eight and ten hours a day teaching people to drive. I don't think this is right. And you know when God answers you really quickly <laughs> and not in a way you expected. And he said, stop complaining. This is your mission field. You were with 50 people a week. Be the best driving instructor in town and tell them about me when you get the chance. You hear that? When you get the chance. They were not paying me to preach to them. They were paying me to teach them to drive. Now, sometimes the two things used to get mixed up. I'd be planning a message for Sunday and I'd be thinking about eternal life. And I'd say to the people, I'd like you to take the next I meant to say, I'd like you to take the next left, and I said, I'd like you to take the next life. <laughs> Which is not a good instruction to give. And sometimes I'd say, now the Bible says when you approach a zebra crossing, you're supposed to slow down. <laughs> and I say to them, did I just say the Bible says that? I said, yeah. No, the highway code says that. The Bible hasn't got a view on it. But I determined that I would be the best driving instructor in town, and I tell them about Jesus when I got the chance, and I did. And consider how many I taught, not that many came to Jesus, but some did. And one of them was a young lady. She was about 19, and she wanted to know God. So she said to her friends, do you know any good churches in town? And they said, no, we don't know any good churches, but if you book a driving lesson, with Ian Jones or Dave Roberts, they'll tell you about Jesus. <laughs> so lo and behold, my phone rings, and there's this young lady booking a lesson, but didn't tell me why. Lesson one, brilliant. Lesson two, brilliant. Lesson three, she says to me, Ian, I just want to say to you, I'm really disappointed. So I automatically thought she meant my tuition. So I said, tell me why. She said, this is the third week, and you haven't told me about Jesus yet. <laughs> Oh, I said, that's not a problem. So I led her to the Lord in the car. Amazingly, that young lady was a nurse, and she nursed my maternal grandfather on his deathbed and shared Jesus with him as he was dying. I'd gone to see him. He'd moved from Kent to Merthyr for us to look after him. And I went to see him, and I said, Granddad, I said, you're not getting any younger. None of us live forever. You need Jesus in your life. You're not ready yet, boy. You need to settle down in Wales first. But in the grace of God, this young lady that I led to Christ then, she was, I don't know whether my grandfather received or not, but God is so gracious and faithful. So I want to close with this. If somebody said to you, could you lead me to Jesus, please? I wouldn't know what you do. I wonder, would you know where to start? Because some people then would freak out. I won't expect this. Give so-and-so a call, maybe they could do it. No, no, you can do it. Could we have the STOP acronym up there, please? Great for driving school, huh? <laughs> this is what I used with this young lady. Just say sorry. Just say sorry to God for all the things you've done wrong in your life and the things that you know that you should have done and you haven't done and you've not had Jesus in your life up until now 
and some by ignorance, some by choice, but just tell him that you're sorry for the things you've done and you want it to be different. Now just say to him, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved me enough that you died for me. You were perfect. You died for me. You took my sin on yourself. And I thank you that in trusting you, my sin is taken away. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I open my heart now, Jesus. Please come in and be Lord of my life. He's in. Salvation just occurred. The angels just started partying. And I tell you what, there's no feeling in the world like it. Leading somebody to Jesus. Can we bow our heads a moment? I don't know. I'm looking around. There's lots of faces I don't know here in the room. And I want you to be able just to do this in your own heart. So it's basically, right now, the world is running at a thousand miles an hour. I just want you to stop. Stop running ahead and everything in your, in your mind. Just stop a moment. It's just you and Jesus. You and him. He's giving you his full attention right now. And all you need to do is say to him, Sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, that I've not had you in my life up until now. I realize that's a mistake. And I want you in my life. And I ask you to forgive me the wrong things I've done, my sin. And, and Lord, I just don't want to do that anymore. I just ask you, Lord, to forgive me. So I thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you took my sin upon yourself and you're the sinless one, so you could pay the price for my sin, and you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Not only that, thank you for rising from the dead and conquering sin and being here by your Spirit to be in my life. So now, Holy Spirit, I open up my heart and I say, have every room. Come into my life, fill my life, Holy Spirit. Show me where I need to change. Make me more like Jesus. Please come in and be Lord of my life. I thank you, Lord, and I welcome you now into the home of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Could you keep your heads bowed a moment? If you prayed that prayer for the first time, the Bible says it's really important you confess it as well. You tell somebody, well, I'm looking at you. So if you prayed that prayer for the first time, could you just give me a little wave and say, yeah, and I prayed that prayer for the first time. Thank you, Jesus. I'm happy. I'm happy I've given you the opportunity. If you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're on a journey, keep coming. Keep letting him speak to you. We'll be here week after week. Talk to the person that brought you because he wants you to know him like we know him. So be blessed. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, thank you guys. God bless you. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.